beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome friends to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I am so glad you're here. I am so glad I am here because it is my birthday week. That's right. I am in my 40s now, officially, and still taking time to remark upon my birthdays, even when they are not milestone numbers. If you've been around for a while, you know that last summer I turned 40 years old, and I did an episode a year ago, 10 Thoughts on Turning 40. Here we are once again in June I'm about to turn 41, and my birthday always makes me really reflective. I'm sure I cannot be the only one. And so I do like to take time to just stop down, acknowledge another trip around the sun, think about the things that I've learned, think about the memories made, think about what I'm shedding and what I'm growing into. I'm sort of lucky in a way that my birthday falls in the very middle of the year because I do an exercise similar to this 
around New Year's when I'm able to, you know, answer a lot of the same questions, think of a lot of the same things. What am I leaving behind? What do I want to move towards? And then I do this again in the summer around my birthday. I highly encourage you to do the same sort of exercise if your birthday isn't anytime soon, just as a middle of the year moment, especially since if you're in the U.S., We're just in a lot of turmoil, and so there's a lot of things that maybe you need to get down into a journal or just put your thoughts on paper. If you absolutely cannot write this kind of thing down, then just consider having a conversation with a friend, with a partner. Just sort of take a moment to be reflective and be intentional about where you are in your year. So I jotted down a few thoughts that I wanted to share on this episode. This is a little more off the cuff than usual. This is just a little bit more of me free talking, if you will, without a script. I've been doing this a little bit on Instagram Live and actually really enjoying it. But I thought I would try it here because sometimes when I script things out, yes, maybe I say exactly what I want to say. But sometimes there's no room for surprises. And I've found on doing these Instagram lives or also just in really good conversations I've had lately that sometimes I don't know 100% what I think until it comes out of my mouth. And there's like a lot of value in that, right? That's one of the whole reasons I really love having good conversations or being a verbal processor, practicing at being a verbal processor if you're not naturally, because I do think there's like a part of us that just sort of wells up and comes out when we're talking and sharing and in a good energy space, for better or worse, right? Because I do think sometimes things come out of our mouth that we weren't expecting, that the other person definitely wasn't expecting. And sometimes that can be like the truest example of what we think about something. So I'm going to try and just work through these few thoughts about the past year. And, you know, I hope you can relate to some of them. I hope maybe they will spark some thoughts for your own journaling or for your own conversations. As usual, that's what this show is. But also, I do like to sometimes just take some time out from quote unquote regular content and just sort of share with you guys where I am, what's going on. And right now, again, with the world so crazy, it feels like a nice time to just sort of do a real check-in on our spirits, on our motivations, our intentions. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Okay, so when I was thinking back to a year ago now, (laughs) to June 2019, I've said this before, but 2019 was probably the very best year of my life. I mean, it was up there. It was definitely in the top like two or three. It was just a really, really good year on a personal level, on a professional level. I started this show. I felt like I got in a really good groove with relationships, with where I was going with work. We took some really amazing trips as a family. Like 2019 was just really, really special in my heart. And then (laughs) entered 2020. And here we are. And like, what in the world is happening this year? It is bananas. 
But a year ago, before we knew how it would all unfold, I was about to turn 40. I went on a truly amazing trip with some family friends, four families. We went on this amazing trip with our kids and we made a bunch of memories and I turned 40 on the trip and it just felt like the pinnacle of my life. Maybe not the pinnacle, maybe that's not the right word, but it really felt like a lot of things were finally coming together after some years of struggle and not like the deepest most awful struggle, although we have had some hard things happen in the last five or six years, because that is life. And it's, you know, hard families change, we lose people, careers, take a back seat. You know, I had some health things that I went through in the past few years, we just had, you know, a lot of stuff. And it finally felt like that in 2019, it was, we kind of broken through like a barrier of one step forward and three steps back. And it really felt like a really good time. I, I um, at my birthday last year, I was just beginning to secretly. I did not share this here. I barely shared it with anyone at all. Period. But I was just beginning to secretly shop for a book deal. In fact, we sent it out in July, and I'm going to do a whole episode actually about the book writing process and everything. I've had some people ask for that as a separate thing, and that is something I do want to talk through. And I'm going to try and do that this month also because I have turned in my book. So it feels like a really (laughs) big year that at this week, this month, last year, I hadn't even sent out my book proposal yet. And now I have turned in that book. And, you know, that was a culmination of a lot of things before that. Like I've been working towards this goal for a really long time, but still for it all to sort of take a lot of shape in one year, it feels like a lot has happened. So that's sort of the first thing that I want to comment on that. Number one, things take the time they take. And I know that's like a platitude. I know that you've probably heard that before. I'm sure that I have heard that before. But I guess the older that you get, the more you see that in so many ways in your career, in your relationship, in any kind of big project, I don't know, building a house, I guess, I've never built a house, but like things that feel like they're taking forever in the moment, like they just, they take the time that they take. And some of those things are out of your control. Now, I am not an everything happens for a reason person. I actually don't believe that. And I think you can make things happen, you can force things to happen, or that, you know, you can end up on a different path where it just happened. And everything, you know, sort of goes a different direction. But I do believe that oftentimes when something takes a really long time, that you can look back and see a little more clearly why it took that long, or if not the why, because again, life can go in so many different directions. So if not the why something took so long, but that maybe you can see some gratitude for how it ultimately ended up. So for me, this was writing a book. I have wanted to write a book for a long time. I've talked about this in my blogging days, in all throughout my podcasting days, that writing was something that I really wanted to do. And I probably could have forced this through in a different direction years ago. Some of the stories that I'm telling in this book that I've turned in are stories that I have always wanted to tell 
in every iteration of this project. So it's not like I can look and be like, oh, this is a whole different thing than I ever thought I would do. No, it's really not. It just took a long time. It just did. And I'm okay with it now. Like it just took what it took. And I do think that I can see there are several ways in which Yes, the story is the same story that I wanted to write five years ago, but I'm able to write it better now with even more life perspective, with even more practice at storytelling, with using my physical voice. Like I just learned more skills. I learned what I really wanted to say about that particular story. It took all this time. I think when I was younger, I really felt like I heard a clock ticking all the time in lots of ways. Even last year on this birthday show, I talked a little bit about how I felt a clock was ticking. And I don't want to say a year later that that has completely reversed in my heart or anything like that. But truthfully, like I haven't met a lot of the different time goals that I had set for myself, like things that I wanted to have done by a certain time. Very, very few things in my life have actually been on the timetable that I wanted them to be. I mean, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 22 years old, and I had certain things I wanted then, certain professional and personal mile markers. I know a lot of us do this. We want to be at a certain place in our career by a certain time. We want to have babies by a certain time. We want to be married. We want to own a home. We want to have traveled. I don't know, whatever your goals are. I had all of these for myself in all of these different categories. And like almost none of them did I make (laughs) those goals. And without exception, those things came to me later than I thought they would or later than I wanted them to. And so it's not that I don't still feel um, an internal clock or that I don't look around at how life moves fast. And sometimes it can feel scary, you know, that you're going to miss out on something, you're going to lose something, that everyone's aging. All of those things are real and hard. And I think sometimes do permeate our decisions and, you know, leave us with with some low level anxiety all the time to feel like there's a clock ticking. I think that that is a motivator for some people and very demoralizing for other people. So I'm not saying that that's not still there anymore, but I do think that maybe I have more patience with certain things. Maybe I'm finally starting to see a longer game. I feel like I have used the phrase in conversation, this is a long game, or I'm playing a long game, or this person is playing a long game. (laughs) I feel like. I keep using that phrase on all kinds of things from like politics to, you know, social media strategy. I don't know. There's like so many ways where maybe I just haven't always seen the big picture. That's just not my forte, possibly. I'm really good, I think, at seeing what's in front of me. And I think that I have good intuition about certain things, but possibly seeing a bigger picture, possibly visualizing the long game or understanding the benefits to playing a long game in a healthy and patient way, of course. Like maybe I just wasn't aware of them as much in the past. And I am starting to 
think that way more than I ever did before. And so number two of the thoughts that I'm sharing about aging is the kids grow up. Again, I am not reinventing the wheel here. I am not even spouting halfway original thoughts. These are thoughts that every mother has ever put out there that the time is so precious when they're little, that it goes so fast, all of that. I actually don't think this time has gone fast. I feel like I have been a mother for decades and decades and decades. I feel like some days in our family life, you know, are very, very slow, but the kids do grow up and you can't get the time back from when they were little. And some of that time I don't want back. I have been very open that It was incredibly difficult on my mental health when I had little children who were sweet and beautiful, and I have great kiddos, and I love them, and I love being their mom, but it was really hard when they were small. I didn't get enough rest. Of course I didn't. I didn't take care of myself physically, emotionally. As an introvert, I was never alone. You know, I I dealt with a lot of guilt and shame and worry and just, it was just a not great time. I mean, I look back at pictures and think that was wonderful. I loved my babies and I did love my babies, but I did not love that time. It was just hard. And now that they're older, they're eight and 10, you know, in the fall, they'll be nine and 11. And I feel like triumphant in some ways, like we did it. We did the early kid years. Now we're in the middle kid years, sort of at the beginning of middle kid years, I guess. And they do grow up. They do learn to get their own juice and then tie their own shoe and then do their own schoolwork and then do their own laundry. Like it starts to go like this. And pretty soon they have grown in leaps and bounds. Maybe when you weren't paying attention. Just recently, I did a side-by-side picture of my kids, you know, how you do the first day of school and the last day of school. And I love doing those kind of comparison shots because you can really see visually like how much they've changed and grown and, you know, that their face loses its baby fat. They like physically grow inches, their style changes maybe, all of that kind of thing. And yes, it's bittersweet. It really, really is. But to me, I spent a lot of time feeling like that those early years were never going to change, that my kids were going to be little forever. I was going to be a mom of little children forever. It really felt like that to me. And now that the kids have grown up, I enjoy them so much. We have so much fun. Now I feel like I am clinging to every day with them in the way that some moms do when they're babies. And, and when they're so sad that they age out of their 12-month-old sleep rompers and, you know, move into toddler clothes, and that's so hard on some moms, that was not hard on me. Now I get it. I get it. Like, I, the kids are growing so fast. I am trying to, like, cling and hang on to every moment and every month that goes by. I say this because I do want to encourage other moms who don't love the baby years, but are ashamed to say it out loud because they love their kids so much. Of course, I know you do. But the baby years, the toddler years, it's not for everyone. 
And I've been told that I'm really in the sweet spot right now, that teenagers are a whole new level of hard, you know, emotionally and spiritually and mentally and all of those things. And I I hear that from other moms. I'm I completely believe you. But I am saying, as I can look around it now, that if you are sad that you have little tiny babies and you don't feel like this is the prime of your life or the prime of their life and that really you're just white knuckling it, it's okay. It will pass. They do grow up and maybe you'll like the next phase better. Maybe you will feel more yourself when you are able to sleep or when you're not as overly concerned every moment about their safety, or whatever part of it is hard for you, as in all things, this phase, you will move through it and there will be a new phase. But it happens slowly in parenthood. And so even as I heard other moms telling me this, like, oh, this goes so fast, it didn't feel fast to me. And the changes are so incremental that I didn't even like fully become aware of them until suddenly... One day you just realize like, oh, we're out of this phase. Like everybody can carry their own bag when we travel. Everyone can take their plate to the sink after we eat. Like, I don't know, all of the millions of different things that happen in family life. The number one thing that is both hard and beautiful and amazing and a relief is that the kids grow up. They do. Which sort of naturally brings us to number three of my thoughts. Just when you think you've got it figured out, it changes. So this is the opposite for me of what I just talked about with the kids because moving out of one phase to another with my kids has been a good thing for me. I feel like a better mom. But in other ways, just when you think you've got it figured out, it changes. Now listen, this is like the theme of the year 2020, right? Like with lockdown and a lot of us have been on this particular struggle bus of not being able to find our footing in this new world with lockdown and restrictions and very divisive politics and a cultural revolution that's happening. And, you know, just a reckoning in our country, it feels like on a personal level, on a political level, on a cultural level, the world is changing fast. And when you think you've got a grasp on how to think about something, the right language to use to express how you think about something, the safety measures that you're taking to keep yourself and your family healthy, and then those things change. Like everything keeps changing and it feels very imbalanced. It feels very scary for those of us who like to stay in our comfort zone, who prefer kind of a long runway to change. That's me. I like a lot of transition time for changes. And that we just have not had the luxury of that this year. Things are changing fast. I think a lot of things are changing for the better, even though we're in the most painful part of it right now. And I I know that it is a lot out there that it's like trying to, you know, learn things and adapt and maybe pass on your knowledge to others and keep up with the news and make educated decisions. And, you know, it's a lot right now. 
And so in some ways, it almost makes you just want to give up, right? Like I'm not even going to get attached to this new information because it's going to change so quickly. And I get that. I really do. But I am trying to not give up. I'm trying to not just be like, oh, I'm going to sit back and then somebody wake me up when all this is over. Or, you know, somebody let me know when coronavirus is solved and we can all go back to normal. No, like I don't want to sleep through this period. I don't want to be uneducated about things. I don't want to rely on someone else to do the work to figure out how social change needs to come about. I know there are seasons of life where you're just like, tell me what to do. You know, tell me how I can help. But sometimes you also have to be the helper, if you will. And you have to be the one who says things first, who posts things first, who puts together the list to be helpful to others. I'm not trying to be vague here. I'm pretty vocal online about where I stand on a lot of things, but I also think that this idea, just when you think you've got it figured out, it changes, that is applying to a lot of things. And it's making a lot of us feel very unsteady. And when we feel unsteady, we lash out, we get angry, we say things we don't mean, we hide in a hole. You know, there's a lot of ways in which people are being emotionally reactive to the world, myself included. It's easy to misstep in relationship or online or you lose whole weeks to just trying to like hang in there and a lot of us are there right now. And so I don't have a conclusion or even a big tip on that, but just to say like that is something that I've felt like has been a big thing that I've learned in the last year, particularly in the last four or five months, to not get com- like so attached to one very specific belief or statistic or thought because sometimes things very legitimately change and it wasn't a deception and it wasn't a betrayal and you weren't a stupid head for believing the first thing. You have to stay open and let things change sometimes and participate in the change if the cause is worthy of it. So that was number three. Number four, it's not that I care less about what people think. It's that I care less about dumb stuff now. So last year on the I'm turning 40 years old show, I talked about how all the cliches about getting older and especially moving into your 40s seemed to be coming true for me. Like so many people told me some variation of, you know, your 30s are for figuring out who you really are. And then in your 40s, you just are more of yourself. You are more of that person. And you're able to lean more into your true self because you genuinely start to care less about what people think. I'm here to attest that that is absolutely true. I've found that to be true with every year of the last few years as I've crept towards 40 and it continues to be true. It continues to be a layer that gets filed down over and over of really narrowing my circle of who I really care what they think. But I noticed recently, and this might be particular to like my work here on the show or on social media or, you know, sort of speaking in public, if you will, which is a different element of life than private life, of course, but it's not that I care less what people think 
in total. I do care what people think. I care what friends and family think. I care what strangers think to an extent. I mean, I'm just a human and I I don't imagine that I'm ever going to completely lose all care about what anyone thinks of me. And I'm not necessarily sure I want to. We all know those people who genuinely don't give a rip. And I don't tend to love them. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe that I like some care to be extended (laughs) to (laughs) how I am walking through the world. And so I am caring less in that I don't get all super tangled up in what other people think of me or think of my choices as long as I feel aligned with them, as long as they feel like truth to me and I have done the work of, you know, investigation and alignment and all of that kind of thing. But here's what I have noticed. I care less about dumb stuff that doesn't matter. And I used to care a lot about dumb stuff. I didn't think it was dumb back then. But you know, like maybe some social etiquette things, maybe people's tone, maybe shallow things like how I look or it's not dumb to think, care about how you look. I still care about how I look, but I don't care like on a deep level as much about some of those things like making homemade cookies versus store-bought cookies. That's a dumb example, but I'm just thinking of like the things that you can really care about, like certain etiquette things, certain social niceties, certain pop culture things, or, you know, I don't know, celebrity stuff or reputation type stuff or other people's choices that I would get all wrapped up in for like no reason. They don't affect me or have anything to do with me. I do care less about things that I used to hold really, really tightly and would get really wound up about and, you know, vox my friends, call my friends and like rant about something that somebody said or did or how a thing is supposed to be or, you know, whatever. I have found myself loosening my grip on a lot of those type of things. I just care less, not about what people think, but I just care less about like dumb subjects. Like I've never been a huge small talk person, but I guess maybe I could endure it more in the past. And now I'm sort of just like, yeah, I actually don't care about this conversation. (laughs) I mean, I won't say that out loud because I do care a little bit about etiquette, but Well, I find myself like thinking consciously, not just subconsciously of like, oh yeah, isn't this interesting? I actually don't care about this at all. Or maybe I'll start to knee jerk sort of rant about something or get upset about something. And then I'll kind of check myself and be like, do I, do I really care about this? Or is it just a habit to react in this way or something like that? And that has been kind of interesting because I really like the evolution of not getting so tangled up in what other people think of me or, you know, making choices based on anyone else besides my own alignment and what feels right to me. I really like that part of it, but I did sort of sometimes still snag on certain quote unquote rules 
And those of you who are into personality typing out there, you won't be surprised to know I'm an Enneagram one. I have a lot of personal rules and a lot of rules that I try to apply to other people and situations. And maybe that's the real crux of it. The older I get, I can't apply my own rules to other people. And I've realized I can't get worked up about if they don't follow the rules, that it's really not going to matter. Like, it's going to shake out and be fine. I do not need to stress over this meal or this awkward interaction or, you know, this kind of dumb thing that I would really spin out about and maybe even fixate on. I am doing that less. I am starting to, again, this is a time thing, which is tied to the age thing of just being like, you know what? This is all going to be fine. Like, this is not really the thing that matters about this week, this month, this season. That's not the thing that matters. I don't care about this part of it. You can have that part of it. If that matters to you so much, I'm not going to fight with you about it. Like, take it. You do it. Not because I'm so mature about it, but just maybe the thing about getting older is not that you actually care less about people or dumb stuff. It's just you only have so much energy. Like I used to have a lot of energy to care about all the things and get worked up about all the things. And I don't have that energy anymore. That's like the real truth. Like I have to let go of all the things that I don't really care about in this. I mean, yes, maybe I preferred they would go a different way or were set a different way or looked somehow different. But the truth is, I don't want to spend my energy that way. I only have a minimum amount of energy, and I'm not going to put it there. And that just wasn't always true. 41, it's true. There's a limit, which sort of goes with number five. My whole life no longer hinges on one thing. And I want to say that to you too. Your whole life, no matter how old you are, it does not hinge on one thing. Now, you might come up with examples that are going to prove me wrong. And if there's something very serious and it is like life and death, then I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of us who really think that there is just one way for this to go. If you don't get the job, it's all over for you. This is your one shot. Eminem and Hamilton have really gotten in our heads about that we have one shot and this is it to convince someone to hire us or love us or determine our worthiness or our path. And I have seen that that's not true anymore. In most cases, your whole life does not hinge on one test or person or experience or moment. You can reroute. If something doesn't work out, you can try something else or try the next thing or just try again. And this for me is a enormous revelation that has come slowly. So then is it still a revelation? It is an enormous thing for me because I did buy into that whole carpe diem mentality of like, this is it. We are on the mountaintop and this is our one time. And I just have very rarely seen that be the truth, unless you are like a professional sports person or even an amateur sports person. (laughs) Only in an actual sports game is there like 
five seconds on the clock and you need to hit the winning shot or not. Like that is not how it is in regular life. But I think some of us carry ourselves that way and put so much pressure on ourselves in a way that breaks us or breaks others around us because we think this is it and we hold so tightly to it that if this doesn't work out, nothing is going to work out. Everything that follows is going to be a failure or not live up to our expectations or be worse than this one thing. I have had failure in my life. I have had things go not as planned. Obviously, we all have. And I have realized that, you know what? It didn't all hinge on that one thing. Something else would have worked out. If it's a success story in my world, I can be like, well, that was amazing. I'm so glad it worked out that way. But if it hadn't have, I can see a little bit more clearly now what would have happened in the alternative. In situations where it didn't go as as hoped or planned, I can see where we took the plan B or took the alternative and it all worked out okay in the end. This lesson is a relief to me because I am not a person who does particularly well under immense amount of pressure. I like a little bit of pressure. I like a deadline. I do well being accountable to outside sources, but like immense amount of pressure of like your whole world hinges on this one shot, I will crumble every time under that. And I know a lot of people also do. It is better for me to say, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, I'll try something else. And I used to have a lot of ego tied up in that because to me, it felt like people who tried a bunch of things looked wishy-washy. You know, if they try something, a business, let's say, and then it doesn't work, so they quit and start another business, maybe they are wishy-washy. Maybe the thing just didn't work. I don't know. I have significantly less judgment about that now for others and for myself to be like, Look, we're all just trying our best here. I really believe that most of us are trying our best. And, you know, only a tiny, tiny sliver percentage of people knock it out of the park ever in their life. Most of us are just making the best play we can and moving forward. These are a lot of mixed metaphor sports analogies, but I hope you're following what I'm saying that. There's so much messaging out there that like, this is your one life. This is your one time. You will never be younger or smarter or better than you are right now. And while I understand that sort of motivation, I've been motivated by that type of motivation in the past. Again, maybe as an aging thing happens, you start to realize, well, I mean, that's not really true. Like, I hope that this thing works out. This is what you really want to happen. But if it doesn't, there are other options. There are other plans. There are other things that might be as good or possibly even better than the thing that you're really banking on. And nobody really said that to me. You know, I didn't have like parents or authority figures or anything who like put all this outside pressure on me either. A lot of this is self-imposed over the years. But to feel like as I grow into myself more and more to feel like, okay, like I'm smart and capable and worthy, I have more confidence in myself that if this doesn't work, I'll find something that does. Or the failure won't absolutely kill me. Or if it does work out, I can feel gratitude, but not feel like maybe I am this special elevated person because it worked out. Like I can see now better half of life is a real crapshoot. 
There's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of good timing. There's a lot of privilege in my case. And so I can let good things happen and move to towards those good things, but I don't have to feel like it all hinges on one moment. And that's a relief. And that goes straight to number six. Even with all these things I'm talking about, things that are a relief, things that we are shedding, things that we are learning, number six is, I know it's still scary to put yourself out there. I know it. As our world changes, as I am putting a lot of effort in my life to connect with others and to be vulnerable, and I'm encouraging you to do the same, whether it's you know with a human across the table or in your own journal, like just connecting, expressing, all of those things are still scary. Even if you know there's a plan B, even if you know the kids grow up, even if you know that things take the time they take, all of these things I'm talking about, I still think that putting yourself out there, just being in this world daily is still scary. And I see you and I know that and I'm glad we're all still doing it and we're all still here and we're putting one foot in front of the other to be the best people that we can be. But in spite of all the lessons that we've learned, it's okay to still say, I understand this thing is not hinging the rest of my life. I understand that this thing does not matter more than anything else. I'm still scared about it. I'm still nervous. But then here's the kicker, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to say the hard thing. I'm still going to make the hard choice. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to learn and be eyes wide open, but that doesn't mean I'm not scared. Me, you, the universal you, it's still scary. And on that note, my last one, there are seven thoughts here and not 10. I didn't want to force it. Number seven is... I am noticing things more. Now, if you've been around for a long time, this is something I've been harping on forever. It is still something that I have to make an effort at and I get better at over time. And then maybe I like have a few weeks where I'm not so good at it. I have to teach myself again to be mindful and really start noticing things. I will say that this season of coronavirus lockdown where we were all just stuck with ourselves, right? I mean, maybe there were others in your home, like me, but as noisy as the world was online, let's say, everything else came to a standstill, at least it did in our life. No activities, no restaurants, no shopping. A lot of things were pared down, and we were just sort of left with ourselves. And I will say that this season has made me really notice a lot of things and probably things that I needed to notice. It's so easy to just get into the hum of your own activity and rhythm and life's going great and everything's fine. And since we were forced really to stop down and the world changed in the space of just a few days, suddenly our country was bopping along and then it was in lockdown. And then it was on lockdown for months. Do you know what I mean? And so I ended up noticing a lot of things that I had probably been actively ignoring. I started to pay attention to things my body was telling me, what it felt like to be in stress, what it felt like to 
be afraid, what it felt like to be angry. I started noticing things in other people, in their responses, in their actions, in our relationship. I started to notice beautiful things about my children, about my home, about my day, you know, very typical mindfulness things like birds chirping or the way my kid's hair looks in the sunlight, like the things that you always want to take a moment to notice and maybe you do every now and again, this time has made me start noticing all the things. Now, I haven't achieved any sort of quiet in my life. I still am on screens too much. I listen to all all the noise. There's a lot of noise in my world, more than I would really care to admit. And it's something that I want to work on this summer a little bit is, is finding some quiet and finding some peace. So I am not here to say that I have like found some sort of spiritual zen during this time. I haven't. But what I have noticed is taking away my schedule, basically, like everything off the schedule, social activities, obligations, anything that involved leaving my house. <laughs> when I took all of that off of the table I started to notice a lot of things. Some of it I didn't want to notice. I wrote on Instagram at the very beginning of coronavirus that I was noticing like weird things all over my house, like, you know, where the paint has chipped or where like a outlet was super dingy and dirty looking. Like sometimes you notice things that I don't want to waste brain space on and that you kind of wish you hadn't noticed. But really, more importantly, I did feel like I started to notice a lot of things that needed noticing. I needed to pay attention to some behavior, some language that I had dismissed in others. I needed to pay attention to some things that my body was telling me about my health and my emotional state. I want to notice these things about my children as they are growing up and days can all bleed into one another and I don't really notice how their face is changing until I see before and after pictures. And now I'm just really trying to find a balance between all of the things that have to go away that forces you to notice the things worth paying attention to. And as we move towards getting back to somewhat of a more normal life, not totally, of course, actually, we're kind of far away from it. But We're not in complete isolation anymore. And so taking some of this mindfulness that I have acquired by circumstance, taking it into this next phase, this back half of 2020, when we don't know what it's going to look like, I really want to come out of this historic moment, this time in history that is really momentous. I want to come out of it feeling like not only we did we survive, we got through it, but that there was something positive waiting for us on the other side. I did not believe that at the beginning of all of this. I was not one of those people who was putting up the memes at the beginning of lockdown about how, you know, this was going to change our world for the better and we all needed to take a collective pause. I did not feel that way, and I still don't really feel that way about it. But I will say that I do think now we are in the middle of something vitally important 
that's not really about COVID-19. It's about something so much more and bigger and deeper and even more historic than we could have ever predicted back in March. And I want to come out of this time feeling like I evolved, I learned, I took these lessons and applied them to our family and to the, the bigger picture of our life. Back Here we are, back to the bigger picture, to the long game. And so that is the energy that I am bringing to my birthday this week. I'm turning 41. It's just a number. It's not even a milestone number, but it has given me an excuse to think about the year of my life that I was 40, which was mostly beautiful and special and memorable to say the least. And then also to think about this first half of 2020. This is where I am as I see what I want to bring to my next year of life and to the back half of this calendar year. Thank you guys for listening to this show. I could not appreciate you more. You have no idea. I want this podcast to be an encouragement to you and a conversation starter for you, but because it also involves a lot of me sharing my own personal life with you, it just means so much that you press play on these episodes, that you share these episodes so generously. I just could not be more thankful for the community that you have brought around 10 Things to Tell You. So thanks for listening. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.